Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. On this episode, we welcome special guest Josh, who will be providing us with a trip report about his visit to the Nickelodeon Resort in Putacana. Then I'll be speaking about my trip last week to Walt Disney World. As always, we will conclude this episode by talking about some of the stuff we love. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Jack. I'm Scott. I'm Neil. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast. We would like to welcome Josh to the show again. He is going to provide us with a trip report from his recent visit to the Nickelodeon Resort in Punta Cana. Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Josh. So tell us a little bit about your trip. Yeah, so I got back a few weeks ago. I was down in Dominican Republic staying at the Nickelodeon Resort in Punta Cana. Um, And it was really a fantastic trip. Um, An all-inclusive property um, with Nickelodeon theming, very, very family-oriented. And overall, just like a beautiful Caribbean resort. How many nights were you down there for? We were down there for uh, five nights. So uh, a nice little getaway in the middle of uh, the East Coast winter. And is this an all-inclusive property? It is. So, um, you know, I've only stayed in an all-inclusive maybe once before. um, But really, it was uh, a tremendous experience. They have about 10 restaurants on site. And like I said, all-inclusive food, beverage, um, snacks. And so really, you know, while you don't need to leave the resort, they have everything that you need there from uh, coffee shops to high-end restaurants, very uh, casual family restaurants, um, really uh, across the board, a wide spectrum of cuisines. Josh, um, one more question right now for me. When, when you book your trip to the Nickelodeon Resort there, how do, you, how do you plan it out? In other words, do you contribute X dollar amount per day and then you get to go to a restaurant based on that? Like, what if you wanted to go just all casual all the time in your trip? How does that work? Yeah, it's pretty much entirely up to you. So um, they, really res- uh, they really cut out a lot of the uh, challenging aspects of trip planning in advance and that you're actually not even able to make reservations for anything ahead of time. So it's pretty low stress. Uh, you get there and uh, you chat with a uh, concierge who really helps book everything for you. And you can go high end all the nights or you can go very casual all the nights. And in a lot of cases, you don't even need reservations for any of the restaurants. So overall, you know, it really is uh, sort of what you make of it. You know, you can make it very casual and laid back, um, you know, or you could do something a little bit higher end. Um, but on the whole, you know, so the, the resort itself is owned by Charisma Resorts. Um, they own a number of properties throughout the Caribbean, Mexico, and I believe worldwide. Um, and uh, it's also actually attached to an adult's own hotel, which I believe is called Sensatory. Um, so we stayed on the Nickelodeon um, piece of the property, um, but they also have an adults-only um, section as well. And you know, I'd say overall, um, you could really make the trip what you want it to be. So the main area with the uh, the beachfront, the pool, um, you know, where a lot of the main bars are, um, it really feels like a very, very nice, high-end, modern Caribbean resort. Um, you would have actually never even necessarily know that it was Nickelodeon themed. Um, but then there's a separate section um, called Nickelodeon Place, and that's where a lot of the kids' activities are. There's something called the Aquanic, which is a huge kids' water park with water slides. Um, there's a stage show there um, with characters that come on you know, every few hours where you can do meet, meet and greets with characters. Um, they do uh, live performances. And then there's also the uh, drop-off kids' club area. And so really what we ended up doing was spending a lot of the mornings um, at the main beach and pool area and then in the afternoons going over to the kids area um, where a lot of the, you know the water park was and a lot of the kids theming 
Neil, any questions now for Josh? Uh, I have a few questions. The first one is, uh, so how did this trip, uh, you know, how did you decide on this trip? How did this come about and how did you learn of it and, uh, and sort of the, the planning process for it? Yeah, so, you know, we, I think I was on, you know, about a year ago um, talking about a Disney cruise trip that I had been on. You know, we've been to Disney a couple of times, but we wanted to do something um, that was, you know, very much family oriented. Um, but we wanted more a lot of that you know Caribbean experience as well. And we liked the idea of doing something all inclusive where once we arrived at the resort, we stayed there. We didn't have to keep you know going in and out of you know taxis or anything or you know travel around while, you know myself, I'm a big foodie. I love doing that if it's you know my wife and I on a trip, but you know we have uh, you know two young kids, and so it was very convenient to really be able to park ourselves at the resort for you know the full five days. Um, and, and really, you know, have everything we needed at our disposal there. So, you know, we were looking for something kids-oriented uh, in the Caribbean. Um, and, uh, you know, when we came across this uh, resort, you know, my kids are very much into a lot of the Nickelodeon kids shows. And not all are represented at this resort, um, but you definitely had um, Paw Patrol and Dora the Explorer. You had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, SpongeBob. Um, so, you know, we wanted to be able to have that, you know, classic beach vacation, um, but also, you know, have enough, for the kids to do as well and to keep them busy. The other piece I think is really around uh, the space. So for the most part, it's pretty much an all suites resort um, and the room setups are actually uh, pretty unique. So um, two that caught my eye, one, they have um, swim up rooms. So those are the ones on the first floor and they basically have what's almost like a lazy river that goes around a couple of the hotel buildings. So, you know, your sliding glass door to your room opens up on this little uh you know deck and you can jump right into a pool wow from there which is which is very cool and very unique i've never seen uh, that yeah. never seen that before yeah and you know it actually creates pretty cool ambiance because you have people that are basically hanging out outside their hotel rooms like you know in these uh you know general pool areas and so there are a number of pools throughout the resort you've got those pools around a lot of the, the uh you know the residences but then you've got uh you know the main adult pool pool um, you've got the whole kids area. So there really are a lot of different places to go. And so, you know, if it isn't all inclusive and you're not leaving, there's something very, very nice about, you know, being able to spend different parts of your day in different parts of the resort. I was going to ask about, uh, so let's say you're going as, I imagine if you're going to the Nickelodeon Resort, it's definitely going to be obviously geared towards families uh, with kids. Now, it is attached to that adult resort. Can you, uh, let's say you're going even in a big group where, you know, it's an extended family or whatever the case might be, can somebody make a real trip out of it just in terms of making it taking advantage of the beach resort amenities would you say and really having a relaxing beach style uh trip uh as well um or is it really focused more on like a family oriented with activities for kids and things like that it's definitely family oriented but you know you could never go over to the kids area and really just spend all your time at the main beach and pool um and you would feel like you were at any other you know nice caribbean resort um, I did think it was kind of funny that there was an adults-only hotel attached to it because, you know, if you wanted to go to an adults-only hotel, I don't know if one attached to a Nickelodeon resort would be, you know, my choice necessarily. But, you know, if you are going with an extended family and you've got some people that are looking for kid-oriented activities and others, you know, that may want something more low-key, this can, uh, can definitely hit upon that. And, you know, I mentioned before, but really the range of the dining options, I think, also creates a ton of flexibility. So, you know, they've got some you know, nicer high-end couples um, restaurants. They've got family-oriented restaurants like a, a burger restaurant. They have a, a space-themed restaurant with, uh, you know, waiters and waitresses walking around in spacesuits, intergalactic-themed. 
an Asian or an Italian restaurant, a coffee shop. So, I mean, really, I think there's upwards of 10 restaurants. And so, you know, depending on the group that you're in, if you need to split up and, you know, do, do different things, depending on the needs of your group, you can do that. And, and how would you uh, say the theming compares to when you're at a Disney or a Universal style property? Uh, how would you say Nickelodeon holds, uh, holds up to that? that, uh, that? Yeah, I mean, when you're in your hotel room um, or walking around the, the vast you know, majority of the resort, you wouldn't even necessarily know that it was a, a Nickelodeon hotel. Um, and I think there's something nice about that. I mean, if you're going on this trip, you're looking for a Caribbean vacation, you know, with some uh, some additional things to do for kids. Um, if you want a full theming experience, you know, I think something like Disney or Universal is probably, you know, more appropriate. But, um, you know, the kids area has got great theming. They've got the kids shows. They've got characters walking around, statues all around, you know, in the uh, water park area with water slides. And then the sliming is also a, a big portion of the uh, the ambiance there. So I think every day at two or three o'clock, classic Nickelodeon sliming where the green slime comes down on everyone. There's a big countdown. Um, and then there's also family uh, slimings where you're, you know, privately your family could get slimed and they take pictures. So, you know, they definitely play into it. But again, if, if that's not what you're looking for and you want to have more of like a classic beach vacation, um, you can definitely do that. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. And if, you, and if you really want the full experience, they even have a, uh, a SpongeBob SquarePants themed uh, room. I guess it's called the Pineapple Villa uh, and it's shaped like a giant pineapple. So that's um, cool. apparently, you know, people come from all over the world to try and stay in that room, if even for just one night at a time, um, you know. That was uh, that was not within our uh, consideration set, but I'm sure it was a pretty cool experience. Oh, that's awesome! Appreciate it, Josh. Thanks, man. So yeah, I think you know, on the whole, I would highly recommend uh, you know the Nickelodeon Resort. You know, if you're looking for uh, a great Caribbean experience with um, additional activities for the kids, um, and uh, you know, would highly recommend it, especially if you're trying to uh, you know escape cold weather in the winter. So, you know, we happen to get lucky. The weather couldn't have been more perfect um, in the uh, late January time frame. You know, it was uh, mid-80s to uh, low of mid-70s every day. So I yep. can't ask for more than that. Can you just give us some food highlights from your trip, a couple things that stand out? So, you know, I wouldn't say this was the highlight, but I was actually very pleasantly surprised with a lot of the buffets. I think a lot of times when you think about an all-inclusive resort, you know, the buffets at times can be unappetizing. Either they've been sitting out or the food quality is not great. Um, the buffets are really actually pretty, pretty um, great um, from breakfast to lunch. Um, and really having, you know, a wide range of different types of food um, for all members of the family. So um, was definitely pleasantly surprised with that. Um, some of the highlights, the uh, burger restaurant was really uh, pretty great. Um, some really massive, fantastic uh, burgers and desserts there. I mean, like classic American style. Uh, there was another uh, restaurant that had great Caribbean food. You know, yeah. so things like jerk chicken and plantains, you know, rice and beans. Um, definitely enjoyed, you know, some of the food like that that was a bit more uh, authentic to the region. Um, and, and surprisingly, the, the Asian restaurant was really great. It was like a, an Asian fusion restaurant um, and really had some great options. But you know, I'd say across the board, what I think was actually best for a uh, you know, family with young kids was that, you know, given that it was all inclusive, even if my kids ordered something that they didn't love, there were other options there. And, uh, you know, they weren't stuck with what they ordered. So 
um, that definitely took some of the pressure off, uh, you know, my wife and I. So, Josh, that leads me to my another question. I've personally never stayed at an all-inclusive resort. Am I correct then, based on what you just said, that when you pay for your hotel room, it includes all your meals? So when you want to go to dinner, you just go and it's included? Yeah. So, you know, you just go. You you make the reservation wherever you want to go. You order as much as you want off the menu. If you want five appetizers and you want to skip your entree, you can do that. You can get three entrees if you want. Um, what about- as much as you want and, uh, and no bill at the end, which is always nice. So when you're done, you're done and you can just stand up and walk out. Does that include alcohol? It does. Um, so I don't know if I would say that it was, you know, top, top shelf, but it was still, you know, very good, you know, very recognizable name brand, uh, liquors. You could walk up to any bar at any time throughout the day and get anything you wanted from tropical drinks to wine and beer to, uh, smoothies and Shirley temples. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, in the restaurants, you could order whatever you wanted, food-wise, beverage-wise. Um, and then even in your room, they stock your mini-fridge, you know, at your request with, uh, you know, champagne, wine, beer, soft drinks, etc. So, And that includes tips at the restaurants you know, for the waiters? Yeah, so it, wow. it covers all of that. You know, there were a couple of times where, you know, people went out of their way service-wise. And, you know, we did try and provide some additional tip. Um, but otherwise, yeah, everything is, is all included. So, you know, you really don't even need to walk around with all. You've got everything you need with uh, your room number and just charge it. You know, that's that's pretty much it. So really unbelievably convenient. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say normally if you're a real foodie, all-inclusive may not be the way to go. Um, but if you're going to do an all-inclusive, like the, the quality of the food at this resort um, definitely exceeded my expectations. And, and Josh, one more question I had is do they have a big gift shop on property for Nickelodeon products? Oh, they, they do. And you. Uh, you actually need to walk through it every time when you go to the kids' uh, water park area. Wow. Uh, you know, we uh, we negotiated with the kids. We said, you know, the last day they could each pick out one thing. Um, there is a you know a pretty nice size gift shop with a lot of the Nickelodeon merchandise. Right. Um, and uh, you know, you just have to you know make your way through it to get to the pool area each day. I have another quick question: Is it uh, just in terms of the ease of uh, from the airport to the resort? Is it uh, close? Is it uh, and do you use cabs? Do they have shuttle services? How does that work? Yeah, so we booked through a local travel agent and included in our package was um, private transfer. Um, so we had an air-conditioned van that actually had Wi-Fi uh, both ways to and from the airport, uh, which was very convenient, really super nice and friendly drivers. Um, and it was about a half hour away. So that was actually in our consideration set. We had looked at some other islands, including Jamaica, and some of the resorts we were looking at were two hours from the airport. Um, and so, you know, given the age of our kids, you know, it was hard enough, you know, keeping them busy on a flight for, you know, four hours. Once we landed, we did not want to have be staying anywhere that was too far from uh, from the airport. So, you know, 30 minutes was doable. Um, and uh, I think, you know, there are a lot of options. So you could, you know, grab a taxi at that airport um, when you land. Um, you can do group transfers, private transfers. Um, I do think there's a lot of flexibility. But the 30 minutes was definitely super attractive. We ruled out a number of other locations, Um you know, based on that criteria. Awesome. Great. Josh, last question for you. Based on your many visits to Walt Disney World over the years, this hotel in Punta Cana, the Nickelodeon Hotel, would you compare it to a moderate Disney property? You think it's closer to a deluxe, a combo of both? What's your take on that? I think it's probably closer to to a deluxe, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the, the furnishings in the rooms were very, very nice. The, the, 
property itself was immaculate. The facilities were beautiful. Um, I had heard mixed things about the beach. We were actually given the mixed things we had heard. We were pleasantly surprised with it. Um, there was, you know, definitely maybe a little bit of seaweed. Um, but you know, I had heard, you know, some pretty mixed things, um, through reviews and stuff. It might just be depending on the time of the year that you go. Um, but overall the accommodations, you know, level of service, you know, I'd say, you know, probably closer to deluxe, maybe in between, you know, moderate and deluxe, but overall really, really nice property. Um, but again, very different experience than Disney World. If you're looking for something that, you know, you're looking for that classic Caribbean beach vacation, this is much closer to that with some theming on the side than it is to a, a Disney World experience that has, you know, a nice pool area. We're going to link to the uh, hotel that we just spoke of on our various social media feeds, so be sure to check that out. I'll give links at the end of the show. So, Josh, really great trip report. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Josh, thanks. It's great. And now we're going to turn it over to Jack for his trip report on Walt Disney World, which was this past week. Go ahead, Jack. Sure. So I was recently in Walt Disney World for a quick five-day trip. We stayed for the first time, actually, at the Bay Lake Towers over by the Contemporary. Uh, Typically, we always stay at the boardwalk but this was the first time we got boxed out because we weren't sure if we were going or not and so we decided to stay at the bay lake tower so one of the things we liked is that the rooms were uh, significantly larger than they are at the boardwalk so we just had it was a a dvc um like villa style room so it was uh, like the kitchen area and then there was the one bedroom and obviously like the pull-out couch they have kind of like in the common area but the rooms were significantly larger they featured a nice balcony as the boardwalk does too Um, but overall the space was more significant so we really appreciated that and then something else we didn't know about going in but was pretty cool was around 10 o'clock every night the side we were at for the Bay Lake Tower, you can either be on one side of the hotel uh, overlooking Magic Kingdom and closer to the Contemporary and overlooking uh, Space Mountain and all that stuff. The other side of the Bay Lake Tower is overlooks the bay that they had that they constructed. And so at 10 o'clock every night, they ha- they like rode on these large uh, lights and they put on like a light show in the water with like music. And we weren't expecting it. So it was funny. The first night we were there. My dad was like, what the heck is that noise at like 10 o'clock? And then it was like these floating dinosaurs across the water. But the show was pretty cool. And it was kind of cool to have something to look forward to at night. So that was one pretty uh, cool thing we were surprised about. Another cool thing we discovered was obviously it's really close to Magic Kingdom. So that's super convenient if you want to go to the park a lot. And one of the cool things we discovered is there's a walking path to Magic Kingdom from the Contemporary that takes you through its own security check-in. So when we went to Magic Kingdom on our last day of the trip there were extra magic hours. But if anyone's familiar with the parks, those security check-in lines, they back up like so far. So I I would estimate that if we had to stand in the regular security check-in by the buses, we'd have to stand there for probably 20 minutes, half an hour waiting to get through security. But when you take the walking path to the Magic Kingdom from the Contemporary, it's just a single check-in like booth, like on its own with its own security guards. We went through there in like literally five seconds. And then we got our path right behind the other people's security and got to go right into the park. So that was just a really cool thing in time. So if you if you are one of those people who likes to go early, uh, whether it's for an opening or anything like that, that's something to check out. Right. So that was a really cool cool thing we discovered. <laughs> so some of the things we didn't love as much about the hotel. So first of all, the area as a whole is just a little bit more crowded than we thought than the boardwalk. It's a little bit small and a little bit more condensed. Where the boardwalk, there's a lot more space. So you definitely felt those crowds. 
Also, it was a little bit more difficult uh, to get around. So you're really spoiled when you stay at the boardwalk because you can walk to Epcot, which is right around the corner. And you can also walk to Hollywood Studios, which is just a little path away. And then you could take the bus, obviously, Animal Kingdom and Magic Kingdom. But we found that taking the monorail to places was pretty difficult. You'd have to go to certain stops and then switch to get on like the Epcot line, for example, or the Magic Kingdom line. And it was just extremely crowded. I mean, these monorails were packed. And so that was a little bit difficult and a little bit more inconvenient than what we were used to staying at the boardwalk. Another con, not really with the hotel, but more just with the trip. Uh, we obviously, like I mentioned earlier, we had extra magic hours at Magic Kingdom our last day. And when we went, um, I don't know if there's something that's new or something that's typical at the parks. I guess we hadn't experienced in the past. Maybe we hadn't gone to Magic Kingdom for extra magic hours in the morning. But they had only had Main Street USA opened at first when we first got there and then they opened like a sliver of a path into tomorrowland and then they wouldn't open um anything else like adventureland or any of that it was kind of odd i don't know if that's typical for extra magic hours at magic kingdom but we were a little bit frustrated with it because what ended up happening is we finally got through that little sliver but then they still and we went on like peter pan some of those rides were open but then we wanted to we had we wanted to go to uh, big thunder railroad and splash mountain because we didn't have fast passes for them that day and so what ended up happening is we were waiting there around 8 55 and they just had it roped off with two cast members and there were just tons of people waiting for them to open uh, onto the next spot, even though the park wasn't that crowded that day. And so what happened was at nine o'clock, they opened it all up and then it was like a typical crowd, like people are running and pushing people over and stuff. And then they had us like walking slowly. When we finally got to, to the Big Thunder Railroad, we got on, but it was a long wait because of the huge crowd of people and we didn't feel like running. And then when we got off Big Thunder Railroad, we looked around and there was like no one in that area. It was just because they did the, in our opinion, the not efficient way of like slowly letting everyone in instead of just letting everyone come in for extra magic hours. I don't really understand if they don't have enough people or something in the morning to not do uh, open up the majority of the park, but it was pretty annoying because it made a huge crowd when the park wasn't even crowded that day. We went on Splash Mountain after that, and it was like a 15-minute wait. Uh, meanwhile, at first, when we first got there, it was like an hour and 15-minute wait just because of the large rush of people at first. So that was just a little bit... We didn't really know why, why Disney was doing that. I don't know if that's common uh, for them not to open the majority of the park, but it's a little bit annoying. I've noticed some of the extra magic hours, it, it, it actually brings in a large amount of crowds to very specific attractions, like uh, extra magic hours at uh, Hollywood Studios. That sometimes is difficult for certain attractions because there's not that many to choose from right now. And, um, and it does bring a lot of that crowd into that one area um, uh, for that. So it, I, I know what you mean. That's interesting. I didn't know that with the, the Magic Kingdom, though. And I feel like the after hours events are the best way to, to do it now. The extra magic hours, it's, uh, it, it may give you some extra time in the park, but may not necessarily be as much for the benefit of not waiting in line like the after hours events are. You're absolutely right. It just was a little bit annoying to us. We didn't understand why they weren't opening the, the entire park. Like, I don't know why you have extra magic hours if you just open like three rides. I mean, we wouldn't come that early then. And I agree. It brings crowds to certain rides. And the thing that was most annoying was it just wasn't even that crowded. It was just because they did it that inefficient way or inefficient way of like walking everyone back slowly where there became a large buildup of people. If they just opened the park, the entire park in the morning, then everyone would have just slowly moved to their different areas. And there would have been any crowds at all. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing. And it was ironic as we were sitting there trying to theorize why they didn't open the entire park at first. We're like, oh, maybe they don't have enough workers. I got an update from like the My Disney app experience, whatever. And it was like, we know we uh, put on even more workers today so that you have the best experience possible. So I'm like, I don't I don't really get what's going on here. But that was a little bit annoying. But very strange. Magic Kingdom was was great as a whole. So moving on, um, some of the other notable moments. So one of the things we did 
or two things were last for us. So this was the last time we went on Spaceship Earth uh, before they update it. I don't I don't know what the full plans are for that or what details they've released, but I know it's not going to be the same. So that was our last time going on before they change it. And it's always been one of my favorite rides. I think it's just cool because of how educational it is. So, you know, so much of the parks are, you know, like based on movies and stuff. And it's just cool like to have a ride like that that teaches kids a lot when they're on the when they're on the ride because that was something like walt disney was really big on when he made the parks it was not just to, you know enjoy yourself endlessly but to you know have an experience to learn something he wanted to like that's that was the whole point of epcot and stuff and i think it was really notable why he put that ride in the epcot ball considering that's kind of the center of epcot uh, at least uh, perception wise so we're a little, i'm a little bit upset that that ride's going on uh, another last that we had was watching also at epcot the fireworks show illuminations for the last time before they change it because they're cre- making a new fireworks show and that we've that was by far my favorite fireworks show of all four parks that i've seen over the past couple years that we've been going and so we watched that for the last time we got there at eight o'clock and it was a little bit chilly and we stood there in shorts and t-shirts in six degree weather with the wind blowing just to make sure that we had a good spot to watch the fireworks because we're big fans of that fireworks show so we're a little bit bummed that that went away but it was really cool to see it one last time in terms of food we've kind of solidified our core restaurants that we always go to we always hit uh probably gonna pronounce the name wrong but Tapanetto in uh japan at the world showcase which is their non-hibachi style restaurant it's just really good food. We, we absolutely love going there. It's a really relaxing setting. And we always would go eat dinner and then watch the fireworks show. And then uh, we also went to Via Napoli, also in the World Showcase. This is something we always go to either for dinner or lunch, just because, again, the food's really good. Um, for both restaurants, if you make a reservation, they get you in and out quickly so you don't have to worry too much about waiting or anything like that. Nice tables, nice venues. So. And then the third one was one we hadn't been to. My parents had been to it almost a decade ago, but we went to the California Grill, the Contemporary, because we were so close. And the food was, I mean, it was expensive, but it was really, really good. And then they had an awesome venue. If you're ever interested, they changed it in years past now, so you can only get up there if you have a reservation for food. But if you do have a reservation for food and you're up there, around 7.45, make sure that you can get a great venue to watch the fireworks from Magic Kingdom right up top there. So that's a really cool thing, too. And the food was really good. That was our first time eating there, at least uh, recently. And we really liked it. And had we not be so far away, typically in the boardwalk, we'll, we definitely return there. Overall, it was just a really enjoyable trip. Uh, we think the crowds overall are getting a little bit bigger because the, they're, you know, Disney's building a ton. We saw there's a lot of progress being made on these gondolas now. Uh, one thing we were a little bit upset about, if you're familiar with the boardwalk, they have an entrance to Epcot, which is like their back entrance, which is usually really, really quiet. And they're moving a set of gondolas to deliver people right to where that old kind of like driveway used to be back there. So there's going to be a little bit additional of a crowd coming from those gondolas now. Um, they're de- Disney's definitely building up more and more and more of these parks. It's just they have to be a little bit careful in our opinions, just in my opinion at least, just because they're they're not there's even more people are coming every year the parks aren't getting any bigger and so they keep funneling more and more people into these parks so the crowds are getting a little bit of an issue jack what did you eat at california grill uh so i started with a uh it was like crab or a lobster like wonton thing appetizer i i I don't know exactly what the, the formal title was but it was really good and then um although one note it was really good, but it was super expensive. It was like it was like close to thirty dollars for the appetizer, and yet the next night we were at Brown Derby, which I forgot to mention. We always go to as well in Hollywood Studios, which is another great place to eat. And it was like the same appetizer, but there were like five more of them, and it was like fifteen dollars less. So just a little bit of a note, but it was really good at the California Grill. And then I had uh, chicken for my entree, which was also really good. But it was it was 
it was an enjoyable meal. And then the venue's super nice too. It's a little bit more formal. You have to be, I think the unofficial rule is that you, they say on their website, you know, they want you to wear like some form of like nice slacks or something like that in the college shirt. So it was a little bit of an, it was a nice setting to be in, very relaxing, but it was a good meal. Jack, I have a question about your uh, resort, Bay Lake. Did they, um, uh, did you notice that there's a difference in the theming that it's not as Disney in terms of its uh, theming, but it has a Disney feel to it? Would you say that's a good way to describe it or is it very different? So I'd say it's a lot less Disney-esque when you stay at the Bay Lake Tower. Uh, the rooms just seem like a nice, really nice hotel room. There's not as much like, you know, like there's hidden Mickeys in a lot of the other rooms. While they are in the Bay Lake Towers, they're just not as in your face as some of the other hotels are. So whether you like that or not, it's just something to point out. It's a little bit more just like a nice hotel. And one of the things we didn't like as much about it was Boardwalk. It's got like a great community aspect. Like you have that magnificent lobby and there's always tons of people there. Bay Lake Tower is a little bit quieter in the sense that there's a small lobby when you check in, but then they expect you to do most of like, I guess the community ask things at the contemporary so it's just something so you'd have to walk over across the like the little extension they have if you really want that so in and of itself the bay lake tower it's a little bit less uh i guess like homey if that makes any sense just because you feel like there's not many uh people downstairs or whatever um so that was one one quick note about it but you like the stay it was comfortable you enjoyed the you enjoyed the resort absolutely it was you know a typical disney resort uh you're really clean um Nothing to complain about. Hey, Jack, was the uh, construction at Epcot noticeable? I know there's a lot going on there and that you know they're nearing uh, opening some parts from that. Um, was that something that impacted the visit to the park at all or anything that you're able to note the progress of? I didn't see that much um, specifically. I know they're building the Guardians ride at um, Epcot. They're also building... Rat, rat, the Rat Tattooie ride, or at least in the plans of building that in France. Um, there was a large... Um, like obstruction by that that back entrance to Epcot, we only noticed it a little bit because we were obviously staying in the Bay Lake Tower, so we weren't coming in that way as much. I assume it's also due to the gondolas. If you're at Hollywood Studios and also Epcot, you can see some notable construction for the gondolas. But we, when we were there, we noticed they were running. Actually, they were testing them fully running. The only thing is they have covers over the actual gondolas, so you can't like see the designs on them. I guess they want to have some big reveal at some point. So that was the most notable construction that we saw. There's obviously at Hollywood Studios a lot of construction going on for uh, Disney's Galaxy Edge, which they announced Star Wars Galaxy Edge, which they announced is going to be opening on August 31st at Hollywood Studios. And while we really weren't over that that part of the park that much, um, something that we were discussing in our uh, amongst the podcast and something we'll definitely post a link to if you haven't seen it already is there's new. Um, Gal- there's new uh, Galaxy Edge drone footage from the construction, right? And the progress looks absolutely amazing in terms of the theming and the overall experience. So it's definitely something we'll link to on the Instagram and online for people to check out because that was a big construction update they had. Jack, one of the things I've noticed personally when I've spent time at the Contemporary is something that you identified, which is the crowds make it very difficult sometimes to get around. Uh, I find that getting onto a monorail sometimes is extremely difficult. What was the longest you had to wait for a monorail at the Contemporary? We probably had to wait one morning, I'd say like 20 minutes, which is just a little bit annoying because right. in the mornings you're trying to like get there when it opens and stuff. So it is a significant wait in that span. And then also the thing, it's not all, always that you have to wait super long. It's just that there's so many people. So like you're, 
it, my dad and I described how when you're like switching monorails and stuff, it's kind of like they're herding cattle and like just pushing you in different directions. You just like when you're at the boardwalk, for example, like for a bunch of the parks, you can just walk there and it's just so much more like open and it seems more relaxed. When we were at the monorail, it just seemed a little bit, taking the monorail was just a little bit too stressful and high tense and just not the best experience it could have been. And so there's just so many people, like we almost never sat in the monorails just because there were never any open seats. You always were standing up. And this isn't this isn't the end of the world stuff, but it's just something to note about commuting from and getting around from these hotels to the park. It's my instinct that out of all of the monorail hotels, so you have the Polynesian, the Grand Floridian, and the Contemporary, that it's probably the longest way to get on a monorail at the Contemporary because the monorail is one of the attractions of the hotel. People go to see it come through the lobby. So when I stayed at the Polynesian a couple of years ago, you would have to wait for the monorail to arrive, but I don't think I ever really had to wait a long time to actually get on the train. We didn't have a 20-minute yeah. wait. We went to the Polynesian to get these really good Honolulu cookies, which is something we discovered when we were in Hawaii, that they also sell the Polynesian. And unless you want to pay like $50 for shipping, you should get them in the Polynesian when you're there. But when we traveled from there back to the Contemporary, like you said, it wasn't there really wasn't a wait. Like We just walked right on. Um, and then, like you said, people do just go on the monorail just to keep sitting there and driving around. Right. And there's nothing that bad about it. It's just you just you have to there's just really no seats when you're on it. One other note about the monorail. As soon as I walked on, the first thing I said is this smells like a horse stable. And apparently there's a reason for that. They actually do keep the monorail like next to the Disney horse stables or something like that. So I just didn't really add that well to the ambiance that it smelled like horses were living in the monorail before you got on it it just it just doesn't contribute that well yeah i think the monorails need some updating to be honest with you they're so heavily trafficked and i think that uh, they are showing a little bit of disrepair there have been a couple of incidents i think recently with doors not closing all the way things like that i think the monorails need need a bit of touching up any other questions for jack about this uh, trip report no, it sounds like it was a great trip, though, Jack. Uh, gl- glad to hear you guys had a good time there. It's interesting to hear your perspective from a, a different resort because I know you uh, you all are Boardwalk uh, fans, so it's, it's nice to uh, uh, see it from a different perspective and get the get the rundown that way. I also think that Jack's trip report is very useful because one of the things that we've all been talking about as Disney fans heading up to the opening of Galaxy's Edge is just what kind of an impact it's going to have on Hollywood Studios, but also the other parks as well in terms of crowds. So we're seeing sort of this evolution of extra magic hours and how, honestly, it's become a bit more difficult to navigate the parks at extra magic hours, how it's not what it used to be. And it's all building up to this date later this year when the Galaxy's Edge opens up and we see just how transformed the entirety of Walt Disney World is going to be. I think that's going to be very fascinating to pay attention to and watch. So this sort of is a good framework to keep in mind. Yeah, I, I, for me, I, I, all my trips now, I really, uh, when I go there, I really am going to emphasize um, planning around after-hours events because uh, I really do find that there's such a noticeable difference of being able to do a lot of the attractions that normally have some type of weight Um that uh, I'm nervous, especially after Star Wars opens, could be uh, could uh, uh, get worse than uh, worse and worse. Perhaps, um, maybe not. I don't know. We'll really have to see what type of impact it has uh, with with increased crowds there. Um, but all my trips now, I really focus on the after hours planning around, so I can include uh, as many of those as possible. Yes. And just one more thing to note: um, Rock and Roller Coaster, Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios is my favorite park, primarily because there's usually not many people there. 
And high rock and roller coaster, it was the longest wait I've ever seen. Just at like a normal hour, we came like I think it was like around eleven o'clock, which is usually fairly quiet because like the morning rush has ended and the afternoon rush hasn't really come. And there was like an hour and fifty minute wait for a rock and roller coaster. And while rock and roller coaster is a big ride, there's usually not that kind of wait for it. So that just kind of surprised us. And even the fast pass, you had to wait a good like half an hour to get on the ride. Um, and one other quick thing is about uh, Toy Story Land. Toy Story Land was an absolute zoo. Like you could not walk in there with like be- without being bumped. It was just it was just swamped with people. Like while I'm a big fan of Toy Story Land, I do not think they designed it well because it's kind of just like everyone walks in and then it just kind of closes and everyone just kind of walks back out. It's not like it, the flow is not really that good. And so that area fills up so quickly and it's just like you're just bumping into people when you're there. Completely agree. Also, there's very little shade there. So if you're there during a hot time, yeah, hot. which is most of the year, uh, it's not ideal. Uh, I, I agree with you on that. I do like Toy Story Land. I was there once. I'll be going there again soon. Uh, but it's not like what you're going to see in Galaxy's Edge just in terms of sheer size. I think Galaxy's Edge may be 14 acres. I think that was the number I saw. Yeah, it's big. Whereas it's big. Toy Story Land is, is not anywhere close to that. So Yeah. Jack, this was great. Thank you for that trip report. Thanks, Jack. Absolutely. So uh, now we're going to turn to the Stuff We Love segment. This is the part of the show where – all of us will individually go around the room and speak about something we're enjoying right now and recommending to you all. So tonight, we're going to start it off with our wonderful guest, one of our favorite people to have on the show, and that is Josh. All right, guys. So uh, my selection uh, for this evening is going to be the Utz Carolina Barbecue Chips. So first off, have any, any of you guys had a chance to try these chips before? No. No one. All right. So it's actually I have. pretty. Uh, Jack has. You have. Okay. All right. Yes. So Jack, I'm. Go- I'll talk, and then I'm curious to hear your thoughts. But okay. um, I was pleasantly surprised by these. So you know, anyone who's familiar with uh, barbecue, and in particular Carolina barbecue, you get a lot of vinegar-based, uh, you know, barbecue sauces there. So what this chip is, it's basically a, a combination of a, a salt and vinegar chip and a barbecue chip, which uh, you know simply creates the Carolina barbecue chip. And so um, I, I love this. It was absolutely packed with flavor. You know, you get the, the tanginess from the vinegar um, and then you get the, uh, you know, the great you know, sort of sweet and smoky spice from the barbecue. Um, and I thought it created one of the best chip experiences that I've had in a long time. So um, I think they've been out. I know the, they might be a bit more regional. I actually had them while I was down in Baltimore visiting some family. Um, and so, uh, you know, maybe, uh, more of a mid Atlantic, uh, you know, option. I don't know if I've seen them in stores here in the, in the Northeast or in the New Jersey area, but, um, you know, definitely had a great experience. And Jack, when you tried them, what were your thoughts? I agree. That's the, first of all, the best review I've ever heard of a chip in my whole life, but I thought they were really good as well. And, um, Oots is one of my, how do you pronounce it? Utz or Oots or? Utz, I think. Okay, well, they're one of my favorite brands of chips, and I had a very similarly enjoyable experience when I had them. And just a quick note, I just did a little Google search. Apparently, they were recalled a little bit just due to a soy allergen in it. So just a quick watch out if there's any facts still out there. If you're allergic to soy, you might want to just be careful. But since then, I think they're all, I think they're back free of the soy allergen. So we're good. Yeah, other than the recall, they're really terrific chips. I, I I pulled it up on my computer here while we're recording, and they are gluten free and trans fat free with no cholesterol. 
but they were recalled in a major national crisis. So you got to keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, so great. I guess we've got to get a disclaimer on this podcast now. <laughs> Josh, no, seriously, that was a great review and I uh, appreciate that. I'll be sure to look at for that. Do, do they sell them uh, outside of supermarkets? You've seen them individually sold in sub shops and places like that? Yeah, I've seen them like that, but I, I don't know if I've seen them uh, around the Northeast. So, you know, it may be the type of thing where if you can't find them in your area, you need to uh, you know order them online or something. Neil, what is your Stuff We Love recommendation tonight? So I just got at Best Buy. Um, it's I, I might be pronouncing the company wrong. I-O-T-T-I-E. So I-O-T-T-I-E, I guess it is. It's the air vent mount. They also have one for the uh, CD mount. Uh, it's to put to hold your phone while you're driving um, in the air vent. And it actually has a great – the, the device on it is really cool because – you, um, it's very easy to open wide for any type of phone and, and, and fit. Once you press the phone against it, it clicks and automatically locks it into place, and it has a very easy uh, press and release function. So it's a, uh, just, just a very useful item. Thank you, Neil. Jack? So my Stuff We Love uh, product this week is a movie. So the movie is Green Book, and I'm a little bit late because this movie came out um, fairly a little, a little bit ago, came out in November. Uh, obviously, it won the Oscar for Best Picture, and that's what really triggered me to watch the movie because I hadn't really seen it. And I was curious what why it did so well, and so I just really enjoyed the movie. So it stars uh, Viggo Mortensen, uh, who's obviously notable because he played Aragon in Lord of the Rings. And if you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings series, that's something really cool to see what a transformation he made to play this character versus the one he played. And then also uh, Marshala Ali, uh, the comp they're they're both of them are absolutely brilliant in the movie. Uh, they just do such a good job in their roles. And uh, the movie's super emotional and super inspiring. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, I highly recommend you do. And if you want to see a bunch of different movies that we recommend, not only that we've seen last year, but that we've seen coming up this year as well in these past couple of months, you can go to our website, which Scott will plug later. We recently published our movie rankings page from 2018, which compiles about 10 or 13 of our top rated movies from this past year. And then for 2019, we'll be starting that as well with the most notable movie will be Captain Marvel, which just came out and then add in pretty much all notable movies that'll come out the rest of the year that we've seen so if anyone's interested in any of those movies or any movies to see definitely check out that page so this week for my stuff we love recommendation i like to encourage all of you to go to the website for the online company the magical candle company this is a company that is designed to sell products related to the scents from disney theme parks and a little bit from universal studios uh, as you know disney and the theme parks go out of their way to have certain scents be recognizable in various attractions and locations. So the Magic Candle Company, what they do is they sell a variety of products such as candles, as the name suggests, and wax melts and air fresheners for your car. And they really do a good job of capturing the scents that are experienced in the theme park. So for example, what I bought for my first purchase from them is a candle with the scent of the Polynesian Resort Lobby. And it's very accurate, I might say. And the air fresheners, I bought a package of four. One of them is a scent from Norway over at World Showcase. One is called Flying Over Oranges, which is the orange scent from the Soren attraction. Then I got one from the E.T. attraction at Universal Studios. And the uh, Avatar Flight of Passage attraction, the scent that you experience when flying over the ocean, which is very cool. I've had it in my car for a week, and it's lasted and still holding up very well. So I highly recommend the Magic Candle Company. So that takes us to the end of this episode. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you, Josh, for coming on the show again. We can't wait to have you back. 
You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Stuff We Love Pod. On Instagram, we are at Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a Facebook page, which we encourage you to go and like. If you visit those three sources, you'll see a bunch of pictures from Jack's recent trip to Disney World. Our website is StuffWeLovePodcast.com. As Jack mentioned in his Stuff We Love segment, this is where visitors can go to see our movie reviews. We also have a products page on there where we link to things we recommend. And also our blog is available there. And I think I'm leaning towards this week beginning to write a new blog entry related to Galaxy's Edge because there's been so much in the news about that. Email is StuffWeLovePodcast at gmail.com. And please go on iTunes and leave us five-star reviews. It makes it easier for others to find our show as well. So uh, thank you all again. I am Scott. I'm Jack. I'm Neil. And I'm Josh. And this has been the Stuff We Love podcast.